I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host, and I I am coming to you live from my bedroom, podcasting like the ancient Roman forefathers reclining on my bed. Why am I doing this, you might ask? Well, I have had one heck of a week. Uh, we've had two COVID cases in the family, which... Um, wasn't a super big deal, but kind of, you know, kind of put a kibosh on a lot of the plans for this week. And they were offset COVID cases, so it expanded COVID out even further. And now we happen to have a COVID um, visitor, <laughs> a visitor, a visitor who is sitting in my office downstairs working on um, stuff for their work. Because they had COVID and they're isolating at our house because we recently had it and we have a big enough house to accommodate them, whereas their apartment that they were staying in was small and they didn't want to get anybody else sick. So that's that's where we're at. So I'm currently recording in my bedroom. I for the next, I don't know, five days or so, I'll just have to find empty spaces in my house to do recording. Unfortunately, most of my house has tile and because it has tile uh, that there's a lot of echo. So just bear with me while we get through this very difficult time. Oh yeah. There's, <laughs> there's also construction workers here because we had a leak in our downstairs bathroom. Actually we had a leak in the upstairs bathroom that leaked down into the downstairs bathroom and caused water damage. So all of that on top of everything else, there's that. So fun stuff. Um, we do have some announcements this week real quick, other than, you know, me complaining, uh, this is going to be a very quick show today. Uh, on Tuesday, we're going to talk about the Fisker earnings report. If, for some reason, I can't get to news on Friday, we will talk, we'll have the Ford earnings report. But if I can get to news, then the Ford's earnings report will be the next uh, Tuesday. All right, we only have one Tesla story, so let's go ahead and jump to that one first. This week, Reuters was reporting that the Cybertruck wasn't going to go into mass production until the end of 2023. At least that's what two people with knowledge of the plans had said. Two unknown sources. 
I, I don't know that two sources is gospel in most cases, but Reuters is a trusted outlet. But I am dubious in terms of this report. When I initially read the article, to me, it didn't sound like Tesla would start wouldn't start production till the end of 23, 2023. Excuse me. It sounded like they weren't expected to ramp up and hit like scale, like until the end of 2023. And Electrek, at least in this instance, seems to agree with me. In the Reuters article, they quoted Sam Abul Samed. He's an analyst and I think he writes articles and he has a podcast. I really like him actually. I don't have anything really bad to say about him. This is what he had to say. Tesla has not been able to significantly significantly scale up production of the in-house batteries, which could lead to further delays of the Cybertruck by the end of 2023. Beyond the end of 2023, excuse me. Tesla may have to significantly redesign the Cybertruck batteries to switch to conventional 2170 battery cells. Now, if you looked at the automotive industry like a totem pole, Sam Abul Samed is way higher on that totem pole than I am. Like I'm beneath the ground. (laughs) I'm not even above the ground when it comes to where I'm sitting on the automotive totem pole. So I'm sure that he has sources uh, that I don't. Um, And he has experience that I don't, and he can make these claims. However, I do disagree. It isn't news that Tesla has been, You know, it isn't news that they've had issues with the 4680 battery cells. That's pretty well documented. Um, You know, we we addressed this a little bit with Tesla's earnings call where Tesla said that, yeah, we think we figured things out. We're going to round a corner. Um, They say that all the time. I don't (laughs) I don't know that that's news, but they've been building 4680 battery cells for a while. So I'm going to assume they've stockpiled some stockpiled some of these. The ramp for uh Cybertruck is going to be as hard if not harder than the Model 3 ramp. Like Tesla had issues I didn't really start following them when when they were building the Model S, but they had issues with the the Model X especially with the Falcon Wing doors. Uh they had issues with the Model 3. They didn't have as many issues with the Model Y because a lot of that was already figured out with the Model 3. But Cybertruck is something different entirely, so I don't foresee them making more than a few hundred a week for a while. Like, I don't even know that they're going to hit, like, a thousand a week by the end of the year. So I don't know if that's what this 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 report is saying, is that, hey, they're, they're going to start building them, but they're not going to build very many of them by the end of the year. Or I don't know if this report is saying... We're going to start building them at, or Tesla is going to start building them at the end of the year. Um, it, it's not clear, but if I had to guess, Tesla starts production around the time they say they're going to start production. Because I think at this point, Elon and Tesla need to sandbag some of the expectations. They need to set an, a, an easily attainable and easy to beat expectation with Cybertruck. Otherwise, um, I think they're just going to get hammered in the media and their stock price might get hammered. I don't know that they care about that, but uh, yeah, they're going to run into problems. I don't think they're going to be rocking 5,000 cyber trucks out the factory by the end of 2023. I'd be surprised if they're at a thousand a week. 
to wrap this up, I honestly think Tesla's going to be where they need to be in terms of production. They're going to have a very rocky start. They're going to have incremental improvements. They're not going to build very many in 2023, and that's okay if you follow this company and you follow their progress. They fail in public often. And with the Cybertruck, it's not going to be any different. And I also do not think that they're going to put 2170 battery cells in the Cybertruck. I just don't think that's going to happen. All right. Oh, you know what? We had a little note from Mark in the UK. Mark wrote in to let me know that when I quote prices in Europe and the UK, the the price that I quote actually includes the taxes. In the United States, the taxes are added on at the end of the purchase price because states have varying tax rates and things like that. So uh, I thought that was interesting and it's worth noting. All right, before we jump into our EV news, I do want to thank the people who pay for this show, our Patreon supporters. We have a new Patreon supporter and his name is Christopher. Christopher, welcome to the show. I appreciate your support. If you have any questions, I, I sent you an email last night, but if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have, getting you set up on the Patreon exclusive uh, RSS feed or getting you into the Slack, whatever you need, just reach out. Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. In addition to Christopher, we have other patrons, so I want to thank them right now. Nate, Dale, Chip, Tommaso, Bruce with a C, Anthony, Steve, Joseph, Stephen, Alex, Andrew, Jerbo, Bruce W., Howard, Alan, Elon Muskie, Ryan, Chris, Don, Mark, James, Friendly Sleet, Cameron, let's see, Chip, Sierra, my Sierra, Karen, Matthew, Rolando, Jessica Kirsch, youtube.com forward slash Jessica Kirsch, Isaiah and Jeffrey. These folks went over to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt and they signed up. All I ask is for a dollar and for a dollar, all of the ads go away. It's a pretty good deal. So again, thank you everyone who supports the show. I really appreciate you for doing that. Let's get to our EV news. Ford is giving dealers one more month to decide if they want to sell EVs or if they just want to sell ICE cars. So if you're not aware, Ford is telling dealers, like, listen, if you want to sell EVs, you need to make these improvements and make these investments. If you want to sell, you know, as many EVs as you can get your hands on, then you, you, there's a tier for you. And I can't remember what that's called, but basically it's more money and you get, you get more EVs. If you just want to sell a few EVs, then there's a lesser tier and it's, you know, 450, 500,000 instead of a million dollars. So it's a little bit cheaper. The deadline was October 31st. That is now December 2nd. On November 15th, Lucid Motors will stream the unveiling of the Lucid Air Touring and they're unfortunately named and very tone deaf Lucid Air Pure. The Lucid Air Pure starts at $87,400 and the Touring starts at $107,400. Lucid will also be talking about the, their future EV models and their business strategy. If you live in and around the LA area, you can see all five Lucid Air trims at the Beverly Hills Lucid Studio. You know, we, we, we happen to have lots of luxury car news, uh, this episode. 
Let's talk about luxury auto brand Zeker. They're a Chinese automaker owned by Geely. Zeker made some announcements this week. First up, we have the Zeker 009, which is an electric minivan, but it's not your standard minivan. The 009 will feature a 140 kilowatt hour battery pack with an estimated range of 511 miles or 822 kilometers, which is pretty nice. Um, it'll go zero to 62 or zero to 100 kilometers in 4.5 seconds, and that's zero to 62 miles per hour. The Zeker has an optional air suspension system that will allow not only for a more comfortable ride, but it will allow the car to be lowered for easier entry and exit, which that's very fancy. The middle row features two first-class bucket seats. When I say first-class seats, I want you to think of the first-class seats that you would find on an airline. Like, these things are nice. They have massage capabilities. They have extra long leg rest, which I mean, I think it reclines, but I wasn't able to tell that for sure. And then a flip-up tray. There's also a 15.6-inch rear screen that flips down from the ceiling, just in case you get bored. Uh, if you're impressed with the second row, and it's impressive, you'll be downright disappointed with the third row, which is just your standard bench seat. It's nothing exciting. Um, I can imagine there's going to be a lot of fights to sit in that middle row. The 009 will sell for 588,001, which is about 80,600 US dollars for the big battery pack. In British pounds, that's 71,488 pounds. It's 81,450 euros. And Vietnamese dong is 2 billion. It's just 2 billion. We're going to 2 billion, 6 million. Nope. We're just going to say 2 billion. I'm not going to sound any dumber than I need to on this podcast. Anyway, there is a smaller battery pack and a cheaper version. Uh, we don't know the range on the smaller battery pack, but that's about $68,450, which is about 60,662 British pounds or 69,120 uh, euros or 1.7 Vietnamese dong. Now, if you're asking, why is he giving me a quote in Vietnamese dong? Is this going to be sold there? No, it's only going to be sold in China. <laughs> But I'm trying to be more inclusive when I uh, talk about currencies. So I'm just picking at random uh, somebody that listens to this podcast from from those countries. And uh, I'm just quoting whatever the currency is in their country. I'm only going to do it for one or two uh, articles. But I think I think it's a nice thing to do. And you guys get a better idea as to where this podcast gets to. So last week it was Aruba. This week it's Vietnam. Like I said, the 009 is staying in China, but Zeker is expanding to Europe and eventually the United States with their 001 electric crossover. Um, it's not coming to the U.S. anytime soon, or not that I know of, but it is coming to Europe next year. The 001 is actually very nice looking in some angles and in other angles it looks weird and boxy to me like some photos i saw i was like "Ooh, that's nice almost like maybe a jaguar eye pace and then other uh, other uh images and angles i'm like oh 
that looks that looks terrible. So I'm conf- I'm I'm very conflicted. It's it's a sporty crossover SUV with a luxury interior. The inside, I can tell you, looks very nice. There's a nice big landscape uh, model three slash Y style infotainment system that just kind of sits off from the dash. It's not built into the dash. It just sits off of it a little bit like the model three and the model Y do, but they also have an instrument cluster, which is nice and some nice tactile buttons and a shifter. So there's a lot of really nice elements. And while it's hard to tell if this is practical in real life from a picture, it looks really nice. Um, the, 001 is built on an 800-volt architecture. It offers a single and dual motor. Every model comes with a 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack, 536 horsepower, 566 foot-pounds of torque. It'll go 0 to 60 or 0 to 100 in under 4 seconds. 732-kilometer range, which is 454 miles, so all very impressive for this car. It starts at 294,434 won, uh, but it's about 41,364 euros. And I believe this is also coming to the UK, which would put it right around 48,000 euros. I didn't actually do the math. It might be 46 or 47, but it's in that, it's in that range. By the way, if you're not familiar with Geely, uh, they own Polestar, Volvo, Lotus, Proton, Zeker, obviously, and they're also in, a, a big investor in Mercedes-Benz. Speaking of Mercedes-Benz, I think I saw an EQS in my neighborhood. It was definitely a Mercedes. I'm not 100% sure if it was an EQS, but it looked like an EV because I didn't see a tailpipe when I drove up on it. I didn't see any badging either, but it was black and it was very nice looking and it looked very much like an EQS. So I can't say that I saw one for sure, but I did get a glimpse of the interior of this car and it was very beautiful if it was an EQS. So um, I'm definitely not in the market for a hundred plus thousand dollar vehicle, even used or around that price. But fortunately, Mercedes has a slightly more affordable and a much more ugly EQE sedan that you can purchase if you're interested. The EQE base model has a range of 305 miles. All models feature a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack. And actually, I'm afraid that I said that on the 009 and that's not true on the Zeker. I meant that for this car, not the Zeker. The base model has the longest range because it's rear-wheel drive. The other models are all-wheel drive, which takes away some of the range. It's got a nice big 12.3-inch instrument cluster and a 12.8-inch OLED infotainment screen. There's mood lighting, heated front seats, augmented reality navigation system, which I'd really like to know more about that. It's got driver assist features and starts at $76,050. Pretty, pretty. It's an impressive car, but the outside is hideously ugly. I am not, I don't like this. I don't like the look of this car at all. However, there's going to be people out there who do like it and they don't mind spending $76,000 on an ugly car. And to you, I say Mazel Tov. 
Tim Stevens was recently on the Daily Tech News Show, and he talked about his trip to Germany, where he chatted about safety research with Mercedes-Benz engineers. So Mercedes has this really cool 1,300-acre test facility with roads that allow engineers to test driving conditions in multiple different countries without ever leaving Germany. Like the test site has these local road marking signs and even different types of asphalt depending on what country the road's supposed to be in. So that's pretty cool. And there are 10 different countries that they have represented out here on at this 1300 acre test facility. But that's not really what we're going to discuss today. We're going to talk more about Mercedes efforts to keep drivers safe. And in this example, EV drivers safe. So Mercedes says that they have four phases to their safety systems. First, they have the systems that help you avoid the accident. The driver assist features like obstacle avoidance and assistive braking. That's that's pretty standard. And the next phase is when the car predicts that you're going to be in an accident, and they call this pre-safe. Um, the first thing that happens is there's a high-pitched noise, and it was described as a hiss, that will start sounding throughout the car's speakers. And that just seems seems very weird to me. But Mercedes calls this pink noise. I'd like to know why they call it pink noise. But what happens is the pink noise is a prompt to the passenger's or occupant's inner ear to constrict and protect their ears when the airbag's deployed. Now, I've never been in an accident Um, and I don't, I mean, I've been in an accident. I've never been in an accident where an airbag's deployed. So I don't know what that sounds like. I don't know if it's loud. I I don't know if you know, email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. But what I do know is when that airbag is deployed, it's like getting punched in the face. And afterwards, when we arrive on the scene, the, the occupants of that vehicle are a little punch drunk on occasion. Um, I'm not sure the pink noise is going to fix the punch, punch trunk part of it, but I do appreciate that Mercedes is, you know, trying to protect our hearing. So that's pretty interesting. The seatbelts will pre-tension. This is not uncommon in cars. The cool thing though is if a side impact is detected, a small airbag will deploy. So let's just say you're in a left-hand drive car. On that left-hand side, if you're going to get hit on the driver's side, a little airbag will deploy and push you more towards the center and out of that crumple zone when you get hit to kind of give you a little bit more protection. It's only an inch or so, but it's still enough to give you a little bit extra space. So when you're in an accident, cars are actually designed to absorb the energy and spread that energy out around you instead of that energy going through you. But just the fact that Mercedes offers, and I'm sure maybe other cars do this as well, I'm just not aware of it, just the fact that they have a little airbag that will push you more towards the center of the car to give you just a little bit more protection. Um, I really like that. That that's really That's a really cool idea. So kudos to Mercedes for that. In the third phase, we have airbag deployment. And depending on where the impact is located, it'll trigger sensors and airbags will go off, you know, throughout the passenger compartment where it's appropriate. 
Now, here's the cool bit, okay? This is the, the part that I found the most interesting. Five seconds after the airbags go off, the car will automatically disconnect the high-voltage system. This keeps people from being shocked, occupants from being shocked, but, shocked. but honestly, I, I think that's unlikely to happen. Really, it keeps first responders from being shocked when they start using extrication equipment, especially on bad calls. When they start using extrication equipment and using spreaders and cutters and getting in there and ripping metal apart to get occupants out of the car, it's nice to know that that high voltage system has been shut off. Now, on on my truck, the engineer is responsible for doing things like disabling the vehicle. So in this in this situation, if I was to roll up. Um, on a ladder truck to this call and we were to extricate typically in the system that I work in ladders do all the extrication as the ladder engineer, I would go up and I would disable that high voltage battery. Now I recently put together a class on the Hyundai Ionic five. And just to give you some perspective, when you pull that disconnect for the high voltage system, you have to wait five minutes before you can start cutting into that car for that high voltage system to completely uh, disconnect and, and drain all that energy out. That is not practical for firefighters and it's not, it's unlikely to happen. So if this happens on impact, like what Mercedes is doing, that is definitely going to keep firefighters safer because by the time they Get in the accident, it disconnects the high voltage. Somebody calls 911 and first responders arrive. Typically, if you're in a city, uh, we're supposed to be from dispatch. We're supposed to be about five minutes away from wherever we're, we're going. It doesn't always happen that way, but that's kind of like the gold standard. Um, by the time the, the units get there, they can start working on the car and all the engineer has to do is kind of confirm that the the vehicle's been disabled. One of the other cool things that Mercedes is doing is they're putting a QR code on the vehicle, and I can't remember exactly where it is, but firefighters can scan it, and it will bring up the emergency response guide, which tells firefighters where they can and can't cut, where they can and can't lift, what to do in case of a fire, all these things. So that's pretty cool on the high-voltage system. Now, the low-voltage system, which powers like the infotainment screens, the door locks, the communication systems, that stays live. And that's important because you can you know hit a button for SOS, and that will call 911 for you, kind of like OnStar, but it's not OnStar. So that's cool. Uh, the high voltage lines are orange, which I don't think is abnormal. They are typically orange or I think yellow is another color that they use often, but they're a bright color. Um, Mercedes has their high voltage lines wrapped in Kevlar and carbon fiber to protect the wires in the event of an accident. So some sheared metal doesn't rub up against or, or cut the wire harness. So that's pretty cool. Um, the battery pack is wrapped in an aluminum extruded honeycomb. And what that honeycomb does is it's all over the battery pack. So if there's a side impact, typically in this case, it's going to be a side impact that would affect the battery. If there's a side impact, then that honeycomb absorbs that energy before it gets to the structure battery, structural battery pack. And actually, I don't know if the battery pack structural. It might just be a, a, the standard battery pack. So don't quote me on the structural part. Anyway, the point is, my point is, is that 
Mercedes is doing some pretty cool stuff with safety and I'd like to hear more about what they're up to. So that's pretty, that I don't know. I think it's neat. Mercedes, if you would like to fly me to Germany, I would be happy to go. So let me know. Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Our last story still involves safety. GM and Microvast are working together to improve battery safety. The pair have received a $200 million grant from the Department of Energy to develop separators. And what separators do is, you know, they separate the anode from the cathode while still allowing for ion transfer. So if you don't know, the cathode is the positive side and the anode is the negative side of the battery cell. The separator being developed should work with nearly all types of battery cell chemistry, so that's good. GM and Microvast are using a polyamorid separator, and according to the companies, it should reduce the potential for thermal runaway, and that's, as far as I'm concerned, really important. So I'm looking forward to to seeing what they come up with. Now, if I had a bugaboo with this story, is the the grant is a Department of Energy grant, which I think is great. Um, my general feeling on these kind of things is give all of the grants away to these big companies or small companies that are doing this stuff. I think that's great. However, because it was you know because a grant was used. Uh, we the the U.S. citizens either own part 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 of that technology or all of that technology. Um. So, but that's just that's just me. That's just crazy old me talking. Uh, I I I think that these companies should be able to make a fair bit of profit. However, I don't think they should be the only ones to profit because we paid for it. All right, everybody, that is it for me this week. You can email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. I know that I said this was going to be a short episode because we didn't go through nearly as many stories, yet I still rambled on for just about 30 minutes, so I apologize for that. All right, folks, that is it for me. I hope you all have a wonderful week.